Everybody says, yeah, it's great for people in Kenya and Zimbabwe. Yes, yes. But then everybody's just interested in the price and what Elon Musk is saying again. Hello there. How are you all? Welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by Gemini, the only place I'm using for buying Bitcoin. I'm your host, Peter McCormack. And before we get into today's interview, I do have a message from my amazing show sponsors. This show is brought to you by Ledger, the world's most popular hardware wallet. Now, a hardware wallet allows you to take custody of your Bitcoin. And I have been a Ledger customer since early 2017. And I'm still using that same Nano S I bought back then. Now, Ledger makes it easy for you to safely manage your Bitcoin using their Ledger Live software, which interfaces with your device. And you can now connect your Nano S to your Android phone to manage your Bitcoin on the go. If you want to find out more, please head over to ledger.com, which is L-E-D-G-E-R.com. Next up, we have Gemini, who I am using exclusively for buying and selling Bitcoin, but I'm only buying. I've still not sold a single sat with Gemini because I'm a hodler and we are in a bull market. Now, I have been using the Gemini app for buying the dips, and I also set up my DCA with twice monthly buys of Bitcoin, and I'm yet to see a better or easier interface for buying Bitcoin. With a streamlined trading view, you have access to all the tools you need to understand Bitcoin and start investing, all through one clear, attractive interface. If you want to find out more, please head over to Gemini.com, which is G-E-M-I-N-I.com. And next up, we have the amazing Compass Mining. And they're not just a sponsor. I am a customer of Compass, and I am back mining. It is so good to be back mining, and I really, really like these guys. Compass makes mining accessible to everyone. And as a Bitcoiner, I'm happy to be supporting the decentralized growth of the hash rate. It was really easy to get onboarded, and now anyone can mine Bitcoin with Compass. You just pick your machines, choose your hosting facility, and they will do all the work for you. Now, if you are interested in getting into mining or you want to find out more, please head over to compassmining.io, which is C-O-M-P-A-S-S-M-I-N-I-N-G dot I-O. And also, let's talk about BlockFi, who recently launched their BlockFi Rewards Visa signature card. And now you can get up to $250 in Bitcoin when you join. For people in the US who are interested in owning Bitcoin or stacking more sats, then the BlockFi Rewards credit cards provides the easiest way because you get 1.5% in Bitcoin back on every card purchase and there is no annual fee. It is the smartest way to stack sats as you get Bitcoin back on every purchase. But not only that, you get 2% back in Bitcoin on every purchase over $50,000 of annual spend. If you're interested in finding out more, please head over to BlockFi.com forward slash Peter, which is where you can claim your $250 back. That is BlockFi.com forward slash Peter. B-L-O-C-K-F-I dot com forward slash P-E-T-E-R. Anyway, hope you enjoy this one. If you want to join the discussion, you can hit me up on our Telegram group or you can drop me an email. It's hello at whatbitcoindid.com. Okay, on to the interview. Anita, hi. How are you? Hi. Hi, Peter. Thanks for having me. I'm fine. And you? Uh, good, good. Well, you're always welcome on my show. Uh, I haven't got to see you in ages. It's been so long. Yeah, it's true. I actually can't remember. Must have been in 2019 or so. Yeah, it's like this lost two years we have right now. Uh, how's exactly. it been for you? Oh, well, uh, yeah, interesting. Also a little bit exhausting for me too. Um I mean, I wrote my book. Um, I know. I uh, did a lot of podcast interviews, um, set up a little home studio. And yeah, I, I even, I think I worked more. Actually, it wasn't that good for me because without the traveling, uh, you're always on your computer, working, doing interviews, uh, having uh, new plans and ideas. And uh 
Yeah. And, and with the lockdowns back then, it was hard because my swimming pool here was closed. Um, so I tried to cycle, you know, so all the stress sets up. But yeah, it's actually the same for everyone. Um, but I'm, I'm happy that um, we can go out more now again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I was, I've, just, I've just been out on my bike this morning. This is why I'm all like this. I just decided to get back on my bike and uh, have a shower and talk to you, but I'm feeling fresh and energetic. But, yeah, it's been a long two years. And, and you're like me. You like to travel. You, you want to go to places and meet people and see them in person. Exactly. Uh, and uh, that's what I'm going to do because tomorrow I'm going to El Salvador and I'm planning for next year. You can remember early 2020, I was in Zimbabwe yep. and I, I want to go back uh, to Zimbabwe to see what has changed in the last years. And also I'd like to translate my book to Shona and Ndebele, the languages that are spoken there and, and try to do a little bit like supporting the educators there, you know, because I don't think that I should go there. I'm not going, because you actually need to go in the smallest villages and explain how Bitcoin works to the people as it happened or is happening in Bitcoin Beach in El Salvador. And I, that's not what I'm going to do, but I would like to support them bringing uh, material, educational material, knowledge and, and stuff like that. Amazing. There's so many things there to already unpack. Let's talk. Let's talk about El Salvador first. Uh, I'm mm -hmm. not going to go because uh, I've just been away for three months, uh, and I was in El Salvador as part of that trip. I've had to choose to miss this one just because I've I've got too much on, and I need to spend some time with the kids. But you must be looking forward to going. Oh, I'm looking very much forward. Um, I'm very curious. And at the same time, yeah, we'll see how it is. Does it really work? What do the people on the ground really say? Because, I mean, I, I understand the hype around it. And I feel it's, it's great that it happened, you know, that we have the first nation state uh, that has adopted Bitcoin as legal tender, which is surprising. And at the same time, uh, a, a bold move, you know, and I think it can help them very much. Um, even more with with their geothermal um, electricity uh, that they have, and they now basically have an asset that they can a nat natural resource that they can sell abroad, um, which I think is fantastic. But also, I hear a lot of complaints on Twitter about that Chivo wallet is not working and the ATMs don't work. And yeah, I think it needs time. You know, I mean. To, to roll something out from one day to the other is uh, a huge effort. And of course, things uh, don't work out uh, at the beginning immediately. But there's also, I think, um, um, kind of a, a, a no to, to Bitcoin um, from people because, I mean, I also understand that, you know, for them, it was like forced upon. They didn't learn about Bitcoin. They didn't know what it is. They, they are scared. Of course, I understand. And they have this uh, experiment, experience uh, from 20 years ago when the US dollar was uh, uh, adopted as legal tender from one day to the other and a lot of people lost a lot of money. And so I understand both sides. And actually, yeah, I'm looking forward to see how it really works and also great to be somewhere where it's warm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is warm. It's beautiful there. So, and you have to have pupusas. Um, so it's really interesting. El Salvador can be both underwhelming and overwhelming in terms of Bitcoin, depending on what your expectations are. Because uh, I think sometimes you, some people might go there expecting it to just suddenly be this 
uh, Bitcoin country and everywhere you go accepts Bitcoin and understands it, which which isn't true. Uh, but at the same time, you can go to Starbucks, you can go to McDonald's, you can go to Walmart, you can go to all the major retailers and, and they will accept Bitcoin. You go to Bitcoin Beach and it's like this whole village gets Bitcoin. So uh, but I personally think it's amazing. Uh, I, I've had so many good times there. You're, you're going to have a great time. You're going to love it. Uh, so you wrote a book. We should talk about that because that's uh, not a small thing. Now, let me ask you, because people have approached me about writing a book a few times and offered to do it for me. Did did you do it yourself and write every word? <laughs> yeah, I did it myself. Right, I, I, I started, I wrote one in German in 2018 already. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, okay, I think it's time to do an update and also um, put more content inside, like the the why Bitcoin, what is the petrodollar, um, how is money uh, made at the moment, what is fiat money and things like that, what are the problems, what are for also the, the uh, problems for billions of people to access the system. And so I thought, okay, I'm just like uh, writing additional content and I will be finished soon. But yeah, you know, writing a book is really um, a big um, um, project. And, you know, actually I was also asked by someone um, if he should write my book and I can buy it from him. And I said no, because I I mean, I write a book or do I not write a book? Uh, So... (laughs) So, How yes. much work is it? Is it is it like a, do you have to set yourself like a discipline of a thousand words a day or something? Uh, no, I didn't do that. But um, I I have like like in three weeks I want to be there or something like that. So and wow. then I had a I had a no it it was much longer than three weeks it was like <laughs> was three months three months or something like that um, I can't say it in detail because you know then we had several uh, deadlines like um, I was working together with Sovereign and their team they sponsored the 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 print and the typesetting and the translations which is great amazing and so. Um, yeah, I had an editor and uh, a, a graphic designer and illustrators and things like that. So, yeah, it took like, I think, half a year or something. Wow. And the English version was released, published in July this year. And uh, this week or last week, I published the Spanish version. So wow. I had I had two guys who translated it for me. And at the moment, we were working on the German version which I want to bring out before Christmas. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You've got to get the German version out. But, uh, Anita, there are so many Bitcoin books. There are a lot now, and a lot of really good ones that get recommended. So w- w- what's the, what's yours about? Like, I know it's Learn Bitcoin. You're teaching people about Bitcoin. But, you know, who should be buying your book or who should we be buying it for? Okay, I think it's a book for beginners. Actually, it would have been the book I would have wanted when I started out because I think the great thing about the book is you have the theory you have the questions of why Bitcoin, and then you have the practical part. So it basically leads you to self-sovereignty, like to to hold your own keys. That's that's the goal. So like get people from from being pre-coiners to Bitcoiners who at least have their own keys. So the next step, of course, in this uh, staircase to self-sovereignty is is your own node. Where you also have your you you verify the rules and your own transactions, but I think that's for a big beginner too much. So actually, it's just 
getting people into Bitcoin to try it out, to decide, do I want to use it? Does it make sense for me? And then you really have uh, recommendations for wallets and how you use a hardware wallet, what to do, how to learn by doing, you know, um, mm -hmm. how to to secure your computer also, like, and, and passwords, what are safe passwords? And The ledger scam, for instance, uh, the ledger mm. hack is a part of it. So um, that you you buy your wallet um, without your own personal uh, address. Um, so yeah, things like that. So it's a comprehensive pack for starters and also for people. I meet a lot of people who tell me, I, I have Bitcoin already. And I then say, okay, and do you have the keys for it? And then they say, oh, no, it's there and there. And I said, okay, but actually, um, then they are not your coins, you know. And many people understand that very soon, uh, very fast. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that's the, the, the book. Have you tested it on anyone? Did you test it on your partner or your friends or your family? Uh, the book, you mean? Yeah, did you test it? Did you see if anyone I, came out self-sovereign at the end? Um, you know, my my partners and friends, uh, they are, also, are already um, in not in the rabbit hole, but I've got them where they need to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what I should do? I should, I should test it on my children. Maybe my son, he's 17. He's about the right age now. Yeah, he can read it. If 17, I mean, your your girl would be too small, I think, but um, your son should be able, yeah. Yeah, but she's the one who wants to. She's the one who texted me recently when oh, I then... was uh, over the way. She said, Dad, can I buy some Bitcoin with my money? And I said, yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure. Why? She said, well, I want to go shopping tomorrow and I haven't got enough money. So if I buy some today, I'll have more money tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but she gets it. I mean, how old is yeah. she? She's 11, but she's orange pill. She's a badass. Oh, uh, yeah, great, yeah. Of course, yeah. I mean, what else can your children be than uh, orange-peeled? Well, I haven't got my son yet, there yet. He's getting there. He's getting closer, but he's just, you know, he's like a carefree artist. He's like, I don't care about money, Dad. <laughs> but I, 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 might, I might give it to him. I say, listen, if you, if you do this, you, can't, you read the whole book, you become self-sovereign, I'll give you 500 pounds of Bitcoin. It might be a good test wow. for him. That would be cool, yeah. <laughs> Pro you probably still won't do it. Later I read it for you and you give me 500 pounds. Yeah, I mean, I'll try. Let, let, let's let's see what we do. Anyway, yeah. listen. There's there's always loads to talk to you about because you are a very different voice in the Bitcoin space, uh, and I love the fact that you keep traveling out to Africa. And uh, it feels like to me, Anita, tell me if I'm wrong, but it feels like a lot of what you want to do is you want to go to communities that you feel really need Bitcoin. Uh, this is why you like going out to Africa because people do have economic issues in Africa. There are issues with currencies in Africa. And you also do like to go and help uh, females in these communities and help support them to become self-sovereign. So I feel like you're you're kind of like one of the, almost a lone voice dedicated <laughs> to doing this. Um, what, why is it you've decided to focus focus so much on doing this? Because Yeah, there are there are easier places to go and teach people about Bitcoin than into the heart of Africa. Why did you dedicate yourself to this? Yeah, I think the only one I know is Alex Gladstein. I mean, there might be other people too, but um, yeah, uh, you're right. Uh, why? Because I'm fairness is something which is very important in my life or has been very important in my life, and um, I have a big sense for um, inequality or inequality or maybe mm -hmm. let's say unfair circumstances or mm -hmm. I, I don't like hierarchy. 
Um, I live in a patriarchy and uh, me and my female friends, we feel every day how our chances are worse than those of guys in general. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I mean, well, in me, Austria... Talk, talk yeah. to me about that. Talk, talk, talk to me, so, you know, help me understand. Uh, because uh, let me give you a example story, which is going to sound like a, a brutal story to explain. Uh, but, uh, but something that helped me just kind of understand life is slightly different for females in... Uh, I don't know if you know, but uh, last year, a friend of mine was murdered in London, a, a young lady called Sarah Everard. Um, this is going to sound particularly brutal as an example, but one of the things that came out of that was talking to friends and female friends uh, about uh, one of the things they have to think about is constantly about their safety. It's something that I don't have to, walking along the street, going out. And they were explaining to me things like uh, when they go out, they sometimes wear trainers rather than shoes because they might feel they need to run or when yes. they're walking late at night they keep keys in their pocket and they have the keys between literally between their fingers in case they, somebody attacks them and if something I totally wasn't conscious of or aware of was a huge deal I was obviously aware it's like different circumstances so sorry to use that as like a very brutal example but it, it was something that didn't it helped me understand one aspect of life that's different for women yeah, but that's the thing. I mean, and you have that permanently. Um, and um, I mean, you have a lot of um, uh, violence in families with your partners. I mean, my personal story in my childhood has also something to do with uh, male violence. And so I'm very sensitive uh, regarding that. I mean, in Austria, Austria has uh, a very high number of femicides or femicides. So basically women are murdered by their partners just because they are their women. And uh, they are jealous, uh, the guys, or uh, women uh, want to divorce and things like that. We had a case here in Austria, uh, a guy, um, a woman working in a small shop, and he was mad at her. I mean, he went in, he put her on fire, went out and closed the door. Holy shit. So, yeah, and she died, of course, some weeks later, but... I mean, every week you hear about uh, guys murdering their partners, their female partners. So, I mean, these are the worst examples, of course. But what you're saying also, um, these examples with uh, uh, changing the side of the street when you're going in the dark. Or, for instance, guys, when you're going home from a party and a guy comes up to you and says, Hey, come on, wanna join me? I'm going to this other party. You don't know this guy. He feels, mm -hmm. he thinks he's just nice asking, but for you, this is hell, creepy like hell, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so it are the small things. And in, in, uh, in your business life, you constantly have to repeat yourself much more so that somebody's listening to you or um, at the office, at conferences. If you say something, you're not heard. Three minutes later, a guy says the same thing and everybody says, yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> so, so these are the things that I, in our, in our let's say, developed world um, feel, well, we women, many of us feel. Um, so now think about how it's in, in, in other countries. Like, I mean, in South Africa, I know there's something called correctional rape. Yeah, Lesbian women are raped to be hetero again. What um, the fuck? Really? Yes, yes. That's something that happens. 
or when I was talking with um, the women from the feminist coalition Nigeria, I mean, the whole protest movement back then was against police um, violence. The NSARS. Of course, yes, SARS, exactly, NSARS. Yeah. But it's, of course, also a country that's uh, very um, bad in uh, terms of gender equality. Mm-hmm. And you have that around the world. And that's one reason why I say uh, Bitcoin is emancipation from financial patriarchy, because you have more levels here. You have the level of your personal life, You live in a patriarchy, you might have a partner that's dominating you. You, In many countries around the world, women are not allowed to own property. They can't inherit. Uh, they are not allowed to open a bank account. Still, they don't uh, get IDs that you need to open a bank account. So um, with Bitcoin, theoretically, and that's why I'm so interested in it, is the possibility that many women can have have their own money uh, in a self-sovereign way that nobody can take away from them because it's basically a secret or they can hold it as a secret. So if if women in certain countries, you know, we're, we're, I'm blessed to live in the UK and spend a lot of time in the US. And Euro, I mean, Europe has solved a lot of these problems. I'm not saying that the patriarchy doesn't exist, but... Uh, there's a lot more freedoms for women in in the in the West and having the ability to, yeah, as best have uh, equal opportunity in the workplace and and have access to financial services. But and I don't want to like make out there isn't any issues. But you're talking specifically about countries where people are actually economically trapped because they aren't able to access financial services uh, legally or because their husband won't let, allow them. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and there are many countries uh, like authoritarian regimes where people simply are trapped. Or uh, if you live in Zimbabwe, you can't send money out of the country easily. You, If you have a business, you need to ask uh, the central bank of Zimbabwe if you're allowed to pay uh, in US dollar a foreign uh, company that sends you goods. And you... Um, as soon as you have the US dollars on your account in Zimbabwe, on your bank account, you need to cash it out in 30 days. Otherwise, it will be um, changed into Zimbabwean dollars. So they rob you basically of your US US dollars. (laughs) And that's that's happening there on a yearly or daily basis. You know, like two years ago, I think the US dollar... um, they said you you are not allowed to US, use the US dollar anymore. Your US dollar accounts are being exchanged one to one from US dollar into Zimbabwean dollar, and no worries, um, the Zimbabwean dollar will stay the same value like the US dollar. I mean, everybody knew that this. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's <laughs> a joke. <laughs> it's an absolute joke, and. But that's happening to people there on a daily basis. If you're in Zimbabwe or Africa, Ghana, you can't send money from Ghana to Zimbabwe or from Ghana to Kenya. You don't, the, 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 the banking services don't work like that, like they work here. I mean, I can send you money, okay, mm-hmm. over the financial uh, traditional services. It takes time. It costs money. It might be uh, difficult, but it works at least in a few days, yeah? yeah. Uh, we also have problems, but they are uncomparable to the problems that people there have on a daily basis. They really need to 
um, invest a lot of time and energy every day that their daily needs are, uh, are, 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 are solved, like that they, they have the things they need, that their water is working, that they have power and things like that. So it's unimaginable, actually. And everybody there understands immediately what the difference between Bitcoin and the traditional banking system is. And yeah. adding, excuse me, adding yeah. to this um, emancipation from financial patriarchy, I don't only mean this on an individual level, I also mean this on a nation state level, because that's basically also what El Salvador is doing, you know, mm. uh, regarding their uh, dependency on the US. I mean, the, this this patriarchy, this financial patriarchy is centered uh, in the US because it's the global hegemon. So with the petrodollar, mm -hmm. they have the power, they set up the regulations and those regulations drip into the, all countries of the world. So it's basically then a global regulation. And and so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, well, that, I mean, I've witnessed that. I was with Michael Peterson in El Salvador and he was wanting to buy a car at one point. He was explaining to me the difficulty he has getting dollars from the US into El Salvador. And the reason being is not on the El Salvador side, it's on the US side. It's mm -hmm. tracking every single payment, the amount of information he has to give. Before we carry on with the interview, I do have a quick message from my amazing show sponsors. This show is brought to you by Sportsbet.io, the very best place for online gaming because they're badasses and they accept Bitcoin. And as you know, I'm a massive football fan. Now, Sportsbet.io doesn't just cover football. They also cover tennis, motorsports, US sports, and they even have esports. And for new customers, they always have a range of promotions available. So if you want to find out more, please head over to Sportsbet.io forward slash promotions, which is S-P-O-R-T-S-B-E-T dot I-O forward slash promotions. Okay, let's talk about Exodus Wallet, who I will be using as my mobile and desktop wallet for my Bitcoin. Now, as many of you know, UX is super important to me. I'm always going on about it. So when Exodus reached out to me and said, Pete, we want to sponsor the show, I was like, okay, cool, but I've got to play with the app. And you know what? They crushed it. The experience is so good that I am happy to recommend it to my friends, my family, and of course you. Now, Exodus Desktop gives you a way to secure and manage your Bitcoin in one beautiful application. And with their mobile wallet, you can send and receive safely using a QR code or address, knowing that Exodus automatically checks all addresses for errors. So make sure you check it out yourself at exodus.com or search for Exodus in the Google or Apple app stores. Also, let's talk about Casa, the safest way for you to store your Bitcoin. Now, with the Bitcoin price high this year, I know some of you have been making some great gains. And with forgotten passwords, SIM swaps, and phishing attacks, there are just too many ways for your Bitcoin to be lost or stolen. But with Casa, you never have to worry about your Bitcoin again. You see, a Casa multi-sig wallet allows you to take custody of your Bitcoin, but only move Bitcoin by signing transactions from multiple wallets. And you get to distribute these wallets into different locations, protecting you from a range of mistakes, errors, and vulnerabilities. Now, if you want to find out more about this, you can hit me up on my DMs or drop me an email. There is no better time to upgrade your Bitcoin security and get total peace of mind. You can find out more at keys.casa, which is K-E-Y-S dot C-A-S-A. So when you went out to Zimbabwe, or were you running open programs, or were you were you running specific programs just for women? Uh, no, that's what were open open programs. Yeah. So I did uh, two talks there, um, open for anyone who wanted to join, and yes. 
And, and infrastructure-wise, how well set up is uh, somewhere like Zimbabwe for people to be able to start adopting Bitcoin? Uh, my my assumption is it's uh, in terms of the internet, it's a mobile society rather than a computer laptop-based society. Yeah, it's it's definitely a mobile society because uh, they are one step ahead. They have this mobile money called EcoCash in Zimbabwe, M-Pesa uh, in uh, Kenya and other countries. So they already know how to use money and their mobile phone. They are used to that. And um, in the in the bigger towns, uh, you have internet connection, you have internet over your mobile. Um, they are using also old old phones like those, uh, not smartphones, but these Nokia phones, because you can text money basically there. Okay. Um, so the literacy is there. The young people are very well educated. Uh, they of course use the internet. Internet is very expensive. So uh, there's one that's interesting. I ask them, so can you watch YouTube videos to educate yourself? Is this something that you can use? And they said to me, no, because internet is so expensive. It's better to have text or audio or yeah, something where we don't need that bandwidth. Wow. And, and, and of course, I mean, outside bigger towns, um, you sometimes don't have internet, then yeah, you can't use Bitcoin. But this is how adoption takes time, you know, uh, to roll out with technology. Yeah, it's interesting because um, I think sometimes we can get very excited about Bitcoin price going up and maybe Tesla adds it to its balance sheet or people want Apple to add it to its balance sheet. But actually, obviously, even with inflation, just quoted at 6.2% in the US and seeming quite high and, and across Europe, it still feels like places like Zimbabwe and the people who are there need Bitcoin way more than we do in the US and the UK. And that's not to say we don't need it. We have our own issues and everyone has the freedom to use Bitcoin. But uh, it feels like we as a community of Bitcoiners are possibly not spending enough time dedicating ourselves to providing resources and help for people in these countries. I know you're doing it. You're doing an amazing job. And, you know, I've visited and, and Alex Gladstein is definitely doing a lot of work. But it feels like a, a niche. And do you know what? When I, Anita, when I do a show covering these topics, the downloads aren't great. And I, it just feels like, uh, it's not to say people aren't doing this. People are, you know, I know people are doing work, but it just feels like, mate, you probably have a, a, an idea about this, but we should be doing more. Yeah, we definitely should be doing more. And uh, funny that you say that because, I mean, that's why I think one of the reasons why my downloads are not very high. Because, yeah, everybody says, yeah, it's great for people in Kenya and Zimbabwe. Yes, yes. But then everybody's just interested in the price. And as you say, in what Elon Musk is saying again, you know. So, um, and and of course, it's also a fact that we shouldn't go there and to Africa or emerging countries and tell them how it works. I mean, that would be the next form of colonization that we don't want to do. But building yeah. bridges, you know, talking about it, um, um, going there, um, showing them new technologies that they can use, for instance, or even understand that they think completely differently that we, than we do. For instance, this, uh, I mean... These people don't need our ideologies. They need solutions, you know, to, to be able to lift themselves up. And so I was when I was there, I was talking with Aura from Zimbabwe and I said to her, you know, uh, Bitcoin is self-sovereignty. 
and freedom. And she looked at me and said, um, you know, we here in sub-Saharan Africa, we have something called Ubuntu. When Ubuntu means you're responsible for your family, for your friends, for your community, and you need to work also for them. You need to share everything. And this is how we live. There is no such thing as ego, like, like it's for <laughs> me and for myself, sovereignty. Yeah? So I found that very interesting. And um, funnily enough, or not funnily, what I think is great is that there are also solutions now coming uh, on top of Bitcoin or as, a, as an alternative to the Lightning Network or to sidechains um, that will help people to have their own community money and without new tokens. And that's a great thing, I think. It's called uh, Minimint. Uh, it's from Blockstream, or they they support the development. And basically, um, people can set up a multisig and have uh, distributed ownership. So they they uh, lock Bitcoin in this multisig, have their own rules, um, like like the Bitcoin uh, uh, consensus rules. So mm-hmm. um, how can they be spent and things like that. And you can then deposit Bitcoin and you get a redeemable note. And with these redeemable notes, you can then pay like a circular, have a circular economy in your own community, in a town or in a family or whatever. And everything is backed by Bitcoin. So you have no inflation, but you can have your own small monetary policy. And I think that's a a great way to scale Bitcoin um, for communities like that. Yeah, I'm just reading about this here on the Blockstream website. I've not even heard of Minimint. Yeah, it's very new. Uh, Adam Beck tweeted about it, I think, end of October. And it's it's in the making. Yeah, it's not there yet. But I think it's a very exciting uh, technology and possibility. So, so uh, as, sorry, just trying to understand it. So uh, a, a village or could lock up some Bitcoin in one of these multi-sigs and it brings this... Uh, mini, yeah, this mini mint project. It's a that. mint. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. Mint. You you have basically this project or the code. You can set up a multisig. So this community and its independent members can set up a multisig together, and then they can redeem notes. They put Bitcoin into the multisig, and then they can um, issue notes, mm-hmm. which are redeemable. It's like basically. It's like the gold um, standard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like the gold standard. It's uh, the gold standard on Bitcoin and you can use it in your community to have your own monetary policy then because then you can say, okay, uh, our note is now worth X from Bitcoin or something like that. Um, But it's still backed with Bitcoin. It's the Bitcoin standard then (laughs) for your own community. Yeah, no, so this sounds interesting. So um, does it create its own token for that? No, exactly. No, it does. Does not. It's not a token. It's It's not a token. No, it's like a banknote that you redeem for gold, like the gold standard. Okay, so you actually can create, you create physical money from... You could, yeah. I guess it's, the. I I don't think that the idea is to create physical money. I guess you have a wallet then. Um, and, And it's also very private. It's much more private than Bitcoin is. But what um, is the note? Sorry, help me understand what the note is. Like, if we lock the Bitcoin up, what is the actual note? What is it I'm I'm using to then spend this? To be honest, we gotta ask Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I will ask. Him. Let me have a let me have a quick read of this because that sounds 
fascinating. Yeah, there's an article from Adam on their blog, and there's also a more techno te technological article that that's too technological for me. Blinded, <laughs> one, blind, blinded federated blinded mints. signatures. Xiaomi yeah. banks to Bitcoin. Federated mints are a natural yeah. complement to existing scalar solutions like the Lightning Network and the Liquid Sidechain. Families or communities may prefer federated mints for a more local and streamlined Bitcoin banking experience. Where running your node or using a fully collateralized custodial service is neither available nor wanted. In addition to providing a community-focused custody solution within the Bitcoin ecosystem, federated mints preserve the privacy of, privacy of the members' identities, wallets, balance, and transactions through the use of blind signatures. Just trying. They mint blindly issues a redeemable receipt or note is then exchanged for Bitcoin. These blinded notes can be traded between. The mint container it was issued when it was spent, allowing for a fully. I just want to know what the note is. Is it an actual yeah, I, piece of it paper? Doesn't, yeah, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It's a good. It's a great question. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Because the interesting thing about this is, so one of the things that I uh, I've had a concern with about places like El Salvador, maybe where you you've been traveling to, is that listen, I have Bitcoin in cold storage. People know I have a Casa ah. Multisig. So my Casa Multisig works. That I you know have a key on my phone. And all my keys are then distributed geographically. So to actually access the Bitcoin is a is a pain. But I live in I live in the UK. I live in a developed Western society. You know, if you're some if we're trying to encourage somebody maybe in El Salvador in El Zonte to adopt Bitcoin, a lot of the people there live in very small shacks that have very little security. And so I was thinking, how do these people actually protect their Bitcoin? You know, is there a way of protecting their Bitcoin? And I'm wondering if this is it. Rather than these people running a node and having to try and think about multi-sig or hardware wallets, they said just have the mint and it acts like a bank for them. Is, yeah, it, I understand that, that the same way. Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. And you're completely right. We need more solutions um, that make it easy for people in these areas to hold their keys. Um we don't have that yet. I mean, in Zimbabwe, I think maybe two people, no, I don't know, but I know only of two people who have a hardware wallet because I brought it to them, you know, because you can't buy it basically. And so, yes, um, and I think that could be one of those solutions, yeah? Yeah, I'm looking at a tweet by uh, Eric uh, Sirion. Yeah, he's uh, the guy just, yeah, yeah. working just, on it. Just bought a delicious coffee using lightning paid anonymously via Minimint to Chairman eCash Federation. Let's look at the pictures. So it's taking a photo of something. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's just like a bunch of... Uh, and you know what? I'm going to talk to him. I think I'm going to get him and Adam on and talk about this because this sounds fascinating. I want to understand more about this. Yeah. Wow. Well, I've learned something new today. I need to... But so, what what are the other challenges you found in places like Zimbabwe? Um, they don't trust um, technology from the West, <laughs> so um, yeah, they they also didn't trust the internet at the beginning, and so of course it's yeah it's uh, very fair, and also there are a lot of scams. So education is really very important <sighs> there. The one coin scam is still going on. I, so, I can I you mean, believe it? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I can't believe it because, you know, if you don't know and the, your neighbor tells you it's a great thing, do it. I got some, I earned some money and then you also do it. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so, 
And of course, the technical solutions, as we just spoke, and, and that there's uh, not everywhere you have a reliable internet connection. So how do you want to pay with Bitcoin um, if it's not possible? And um, also the thing is, um, with Lightning, it gets better because now people who don't have enough money to buy Bitcoin on-chain because they only may be able to save like $2 a month, they can basically now also buy Lightning if they want to. Yeah. Um, so we see that with Lightning, I think that Bitcoin is going to become more a medium of exchange again uh, than it has been or it still is as a digital store of value, which is, of course very important and will will be also a very important use case in the future. But I think, I mean, I see it um, personally, you know, I'm much easier spending Lightning uh, than on-chain Bitcoin <laughs> because the Lightning, um, I have Lightning wallets on my phone where I have like 50 US dollars in Lightning and then, yeah, I pay for a coffee or I buy a ticket for something um, with Lightning but with with on chain, I always have this. Uh, it's like, yeah, it's like f uh, spending from my savings account. Lightning is spending from my wallet that I have in my bag. You know, like for daily purchases. And yeah, let me tell you something interesting about my Lightning wallet. Right, I put four hundred dollars in there about a year ago. I was <laughs> like, right, I put four hundred. It's about a year ago, and I was like, that'll that'll. Uh, I think it was when I was going out to El Salvador or whatever. I was like, that'll serve me. That'll be enough for me that, uh, for the year. Uh, and then I'll top it up next year. And then Bitcoin went absolutely mental. And by the time I got out there, like it was like $4,000. And every time I'm in El Salvador, every time I'm there, Anita, I'm constantly spending from my Lightning wallet. It's now $4,500. It's actually got to the point now where I'm going to have to withdraw some because I don't want to walk around with that much on my phone. Yeah. But it was like, and I was like, wow, if I get this right, I might have a wallet that I never can actually spend all of it. <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's also the thought of like many people, I think, can they stop working now or should they go on? Because is it enough or is it not enough? You know, um, oh, yeah. Depends what you like. Uh, so, so yeah. So let, let me ask you, because one of the trickiest things I find when I'm I'm talking to somebody new about Bitcoin, brand new, is trying to explain what Bitcoin is, and also at the same time explain what the base chain and the Lightning Network is. It's like a, it's a lot. How how did you cover this in your book? How much did you cover Lightning? Um, actually, not very much because it's in the book. So I have a short chapter about the Lightning Network, but I think um, beginners don't need to understand the technical differences. They okay. need to understand that. Um, if they use a on-chain or a Bitcoin uh, transaction that they at the moment need a different wallet, that there are seats and things like that. But I think in the coming years, we will more and more see how these two are getting integrated. And like with the Moon wallet, you have Bitcoin on-chain and Lightning. So I, I'd rather say Lightning is for small amounts. It's fast, it's private, um, and on-chain is like your savings account. So... Um, I don't make a big difference in the book. I'm, of course, talking about it and I'm also listing like Lightning wallets, Bitcoin wallets. Um, and uh, a big part of the book is also the ways to earn Bitcoin. And there are a lot of developments in the Lightning space, of course, uh, to earn Satoshis. So I think that's the, the, the I mean, 
earning Bitcoin on-chain is more like for people who have uh, bigger payments or, or, or bills, like invoices, like for me, for instance, my sponsors pay me in Bitcoin. So it's an on-chain transaction, of course. Uh, but if I'm like with podcasting, yeah, with the Sphinx app and the Breeze and my podcasting 2.0 where people can stream sats to me, it's Satoshis because that's the, 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 the streaming money that Andreas uh, told us about like already in 2015 or something like that. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I think these are the differences and I'm talking about those, but I don't have a huge chapter about the Lightning Network because for regular people, that's not interesting. Yes, they need to know the difference, but that's it. Yeah, it's one of those interesting things, the Lightning Network. But for a long time, I just kind of like just dismissed it because I was like, well, I'm not going to spend my Bitcoin. And and then when I was out in El Salvador, I, I put out this tweet where I, I did a little video showing all my transactions in my wallet. And I was like, this isn't about um, uh, a novelty anymore. This is a convenience. It was just so convenient everywhere in El Dante except in Bitcoin. I didn't have to have cash. I didn't have to think about cash. Uh, and I just really enjoyed it. But one... One of the things like I was hoping for was this idea that like the the Lightning Network would be kind of abstracted away as you just have this single wallet that knows what to do, a bit like Moon. But I don't understand what Moon does. Does it just give you a balance and you don't know what you're holding in base chain or Lightning? So I've not played with Moon. That's the interesting question because I'm just using it and I started to play with it around and I saw that their uh, Bitcoin addresses are much longer than the usual uh, BC1 uh, Segwit addresses. Um, and I maybe this is something has something to do with their combined Bitcoin and Lightning uh, receive uh, options or send options. But that's Another thing that's too technical for me then, mm. um, I and only me. know that it works. And um, I mean, Lightning is Bitcoin. Um, it's, yeah, of course. It's, it's not, not as different as um, a sidechain or something on top of a sidechain. That doesn't have to be Bitcoin. Yeah? But Lightning and Bitcoin are one for me. Yeah, that, that is fair. They are one. I just think sometimes because you have to have different wallets and think about things differently. Yeah, um, I think... I think that's now. I think in two to three years, we will have wallets where everything is in one, except for the people who like uh, run their own routing node at home. They will mm -hmm. have their, still their own uh, wallets uh, to use them with their routing nodes and things like that. So when are you going back there next? To Zimbabwe? Yeah. I plan in March uh, because Ma there's also ah. a conference in South Africa and I wanna like uh, combine these two. Oh, I was gonna I was gonna join you, but I'm in Texas in March. But I really want to go. That's annoying. Yeah, I can't no, go. Damn it. I mean, I I haven't planned it. Like, I don't know yet exactly when I go. So we can talk about that. We should. I'd love to go. I mean, I was. I don't know if you remember. I was meant to go to Africa mm -hmm. about the same time as you. I'd planned to go to four or five countries, and then COVID hit, and I couldn't go. And I was, I was gutted because I've not been to Africa. I really want to go. Uh, I want to. There's a few countries I want to go mean, to. I, yeah, we, yeah, we can go together. I mean, I w also would like to uh, visit uh, Ray from Paxful in 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 Paxful in 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 Nigeria. Nigeria yeah. Yeah. Well, Nigeria is the one I want to go to most, uh, and I've yeah. talked to Ray a lot about that. I also, I really want to go to Cameroon. Uh, I'd mm -hmm. like to go to Senegal, and I'd like to go to Zimbabwe. So 
Let's see if we can make that work. That would be cool. I'd, I'd love to travel out there with you and then see that. Um, so where else is on your travels? Where else have you got planned? Uh, nothing more than that as, as of yet, actually, because, you know, I uh, need to uh, get some funds again uh, to go there to do all these translations and things like that. So, What do you need? I'm, How much do you need? Oh, um, I don't know yet. I mean, I, I can't tell you now from top tell of my head. <laughs> right, go find out. Listen, you yeah, know I sure. help you. I'll sponsor you. I'll help you with that. Let's. That's get that very done. nice. Thanks. No, more than, more than happy to help you. But uh, any chance you'll come to Miami? I'm not sure. Isn't the there conference. something else at the same time? I don't know. It's in, it's in I, April. I have to look it up. I only know that I'm going to the Oslo Freedom Forum uh, in at the end of May or something. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Well, I'll be there. Um, and Miami, I haven't planned yet. Well, maybe we'll see you. So listen, yeah. when you've been out there educating people and spending time with them, what 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 resources have, have you found that helped? Is it is it to, like is it better to go and teach people to teach people? Like, do you are you trying to create these like hubs of individuals that you can leave behind who then can educate other people? That's the way I thought that is the best. Yeah. <laughs> How do you find those people though? Ah, uh, peer to peer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, really. I mean, you you need to find people you can trust and who are interested and who want to do it. And then I think those people know their friends or know uh, who other people, who which other people are capable and want to do it. So you basically go from one person you know, you trust to the next. Um, and that's how I, I, I think I'm going to do it. Like starting with Aura in Zimbabwe, who's a teacher and also a digital uh, worker and entrepreneur. And she knows a lot of people. And from there, you know, uh, spread it like that. But are there resources that we can be providing that help you or help people there? Great question. Um, yeah. uh, wallets, uh, I guess. Um of course, books, but they have to be printed there or we send it there. Um, what else do people need? Mm, I don't we know. Should think I, about, we should think, we should about, think that. about it there, yeah. Yeah, we should, we, we'll go with a plane full of resources. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, the, last time I, the last time I brought some uh, mesh network devices, um, now I lost the name from the company, which was also good. Great, uh, because there are human uh, rights organizations there. Um, I brought it to one of those because they can use it when the internet is down, because that happens very often actually also in Zimbabwe, no, really. or that the, the government uh, reduces internet connectivity. And so they now have these mesh network um, tools to set up their own um, internet or bandwidth so mm. that they can communicate. Yeah. Do those net, do those mesh networks work well? Like I've heard about them, I've just never seen one in action. I guess they work well. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't try it. I I, I couldn't. It. I wanted to. I mean, you also you hear these things from like the blockstream satellite streams Bitcoin down to Earth, and you can extend uh, the reach through mesh networks. Um, sounds great, and I think some people are really doing it, but ah, this needs more time and more, I don't know, people need to understand that they might need it in case something happens. It's like mm. with Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, it's a lifeboat. It, but it, and is the adoption of Bitcoin down there real? Like, like is, it, 
is it noticeable or or is it still very kind of like uh like this you know like not not what i'm tr- trying to word it myself well but you know what i mean <laughs> yeah, yeah i know what you mean i mean back then in two years ago when i was there um all the people i was talking with uh knew about bitcoin some of them already used it um and i guess Back then already they had these small peer-to-peer groups like on Telegram or WhatsApp or Facebook. So because in Zimbabwe you don't have a a Bitcoin exchange, so people are basically forced to use Bitcoin peer-to-peer and you also don't know what the government is about to do because you don't have human rights there. I mean, people are like uh, taken away and you never hear of them again. Right. Um, you like you you get you get fines when you say something on social media, uh, which is not good for the government and things like that. So um, people didn't want to be like they wanted they wanted to be or stay anonymous. And I don't know how this is today, um, but I know that much more people are using and exchanging Bitcoin for US dollars there, um, and um, there was like a hundred million US dollars on by in remittances last year sent into um, Zimbabwe. The, the, in the in the yeah in the in the regular way, like in the legacy way. And I would really I'm curious how much is it is in Bitcoin, but we'll never know. <laughs> yeah. So if there's no exchanges, where do they get the liquidity from? Are there local providers of liquidity? They get the liquidity by earning Bitcoin. Um, or from remittances. No, but if uh, I mean, I think, if they want to sell, and I think if, you can you can use local bitcoins or Paxful. I think there's oh, a, a loophole. You can y- use it, yes. And if you want to sell for US dollars, you have money dealers. Yeah, that's going to say. Those, yeah, you have a lot of money dealers there. They and it works easy. So um, you meet up with them somewhere. This guy drives by, has the US dollar cash. Uh, has the moon wallet, um, you <laughs> send them the money, he sees the confirmation and gives you your package of US dollars or US dollars and then goes to the next uh, money deal. So is it a little bit like my experience in um, Venezuela in that you have uh, people, there is a local Zimbabwean dollar. That's but, a black market, yeah. But people don't really want it, they really just want USD. Exactly, they know that US dollar is hard money and... Um, that's the same. They understand that for Bitcoin too. But no, of course, everybody uh, knows about the US dollar and everybody wants the US dollar. Yeah, so how, how much has the country recovered from like the period of hyperinflation under Mugabe? Has the local currency stabilized at all? No, no, no. no. It's, I think it's the same as before. It's just other people, other faces. It's still a kleptocracy. Um, they're moving money out of the country. And I guess they also move money out of the country with Bitcoin. Um, I mean, we never know, but um, I can imagine that this is the case. And um, there was just recently an article that uh, Zimbabwe is thinking, the government is thinking about adopting Bitcoin as legal tender. That's not true. Um, Mm. They are thinking about blockchain and things like that. And I guess CBDCs maybe. And there was uh, a rather... Yeah, I don't know what the right word for it is. The, the the finance minister of Zimbabwe said two or three days ago, according to uh, regarding cryptocurrency and Bitcoin, that they will ring fence this in the offshore financial center so that it doesn't circulate locally. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Uh. 
I, I, I don't know how they want to do that. Um, but as you can see, they don't want their people to use it because of course they know that they are losing power over their people if people start using cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin. Yeah. And so they try to like ring fence it offshore. <laughs> oh, man, these people, I need to tell. Well, listen, look. Uh, I would like to come with you, if I can. If we can make that happen next year, either way, if I can't, like, just let me know on some of the costs. I'd happily sponsor you again. I think the work you're doing is invaluable. I think it's very cool that you're doing it because not many people are. Um, obviously, Alex Gladstein is uh, someone we uh, both know and love, and he's doing some great work as well. But I'd really like to support the work, so you should just let me know. Um, outside of that, tell people where to buy your book and where to follow you. Yeah, so uh, my Twitter handle is Anita Posh, like my name. The book is at learnbitcoin.link. Um, you can buy an ebook with Bitcoin, but you can also buy paperbacks on, on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and many other bookstores. And yeah, if you would like to send me some satoshis or help me financing uh, this, there's a link at anita.link slash donate. I have a BTC pay server, so you can send some sats or Bitcoin. And um, yeah, I also have a YouTube channel and not to forget my podcast. Yes. <laughs> uh, that's the Anita Post Show. Yeah. Well, listen, I will put that all in the show notes. Um, you let me know about this trip. I will help you in any way I can. I keep doing what you do. I, I always learn from you, so I always love talking to you and uh, really appreciate the fact that you're doing this hard work when sometimes there's more exciting things that can be done. But I really appreciate the, the fact that you're out there doing this and hopefully everyone will support you and I definitely will continue to support you. Yeah, love what you're doing. Love you. Take care. See you soon. Thank you very much, Peter. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to What Bitcoin Did. If you want to get in touch with me, the best thing to do is head over to our Telegram channel. Otherwise, you can hit me up on hello at whatbitcoindid.com. And if you want to support the show, please just head over to Apple Podcasts. Go and leave me a review. Hopefully, you think the show deserves five stars. All right, I'll see you all soon. Bitcoin.